Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in Rose City to the Soccer Made in Portland podcast. Uh, Ryan Clark here joined by Chris Reifer. Chris, have you seen any good movies lately? I've honestly not, uh, but that sounds like a lead-in that's uh, that, that that you're like setting yourself up. This is the old like toss off the backboard for a self alley oop. So I will I will serve as the backboard and I say, and say I have not. Uh, it, it's been a busy time and not a particularly robust movie watching time for me. But Ryan, go ahead and dunk it. <laughs> well, I mean, are you? When you're not busy, are you a frequent movie theater guy anyway? I mean, mo- most folks these days don't don't make much time to. Go I would to the say theater. I'm a periodical movie theater guy. Uh, once okay. in a, once in a while, uh, occasionally I'll I'll go see a, a movie in the theaters. It's usually like not my idea because like it's not like the thing that I think of is like the thing to do. Uh, mm. But I enjoy it, so you know I'm not throwing dirt on it by any means. It's just not sort of my go to. Okay, I just want the folks at home to to hear about your perspective before I, I unload mine on on the listeners. Um, you know, I I went and saw Don't Worry Darling last night, and uh, you know all the all the hubbub about the set drama and the the secret hatred and all the, all the things that are going on behind the scenes for that movie um, added to the, to the spectacle of, of wanting to go and see it. I, I was interested before all that stuff happened, went to see it and it was like, okay, it was, I would, I would say maybe like a three out of five if we're going to start rating movies on this podcast now. <laughs> Look, we got, we got a few months uh, to cover over the winter. So maybe, maybe that's the direction we go. <laughs> movies made in Portland uh, while there's no soccer going on. This is going to become a strictly movie related podcast once the uh, <laughs> seasons are over. For Come both November. Teams, so. <laughs> it's all yeah. movies all the time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, Good idea, moderate to not so good execution. That's my take. So transitioning from a movie uh, in which there is secret hatred in the background to a soccer field on which there is really, really strong, really explicit, really overt, at least dislike between the players and the referees that <laughs> bubbled up uh, in, in, in uh, very tangible and, uh, I mean, I'll say it hilarious uh form in the nwsl right now uh in the thorns uh, ultimate 3-0 victory over the chicago red stars an enormous win for the thorns it keeps them in pole position for uh in the shield race uh going into the final week where they go visit gotham fc um in uh in new jersey uh but but perhaps the most discussed coming out of the game was the red card uh, issued for, for, you know, showing double birds to the referee, which that'll do it. (laughs) Yeah, that'll, that'll do it. (laughs) That's, that's not something that, uh, that is, is recommended in terms of uh, behavior towards officials. Not great. Uh, So I, so let's start talking about the game uh, before we get to the red card issue, which I'm honestly, I'm not sure there's much to say. That's, 
that's a red card in every league at every level. Uh, it's not a hard one. I mean, it's all, it's as I said, let's talk about the game before the red cards. And then I immediately start talking about the red card. Um, it's just like, it's like the universe heard us talking about how it's crazy that there's not been a single red card, a straight red card issued in NWSL this year. And it was like, you know what? Here's one you can't possibly miss. There's a funny backstory to that uh, in NWSL over the last couple of weeks, but here's one you can't possibly miss, uh, and, and and gave him a bit of a tap in. Yeah, no, the uh, the double middle fingers are now the the uh, the symbol of this NWSL season for a variety of reasons, whether it be uh, directed toward officials or toward. Uh, people in in positions of power that NWSL players are frankly tired of uh dealing with their BS. So, you know, and and that goes for the fans as well who uh, have kind of made the double middle finger thing into a meme on both occasions uh in response to to various things that that make them upset and you know it's it's kind of woven into the NWSL fandom, right? This existential dread, this, you know, who who can I flip off today type of <laughs> attitude. And I, I love that personally. I think, I think it's a good attitude for an up and coming league that's faced all these problems to have is, is uh, for the fans, I should say of that league to have um, is, is that, you know, F you attitude. So, and, and, and my thoughts on this are very much twofold. Uh, one, the, the good person in me, you know, wants to say, Hey, like, come on, you can't do that. That's, that's, that's not good. Not good to do on the field. You shouldn't be doing that regardless, uh, in any circumstances, period. Yeah. Not a great example for like youth soccer players or anybody you know, to be saying that. Yeah. <laughs> like, you just can't really do that. Uh, and, and it is a deserved red card. It is a deserved red card every single time. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, and, and I think, uh, you know, national media and red stars folks are very understandably frustrated with Bianca St. George for, I mean, over a throw in no less, <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I mean, it's over a throw in that she thought was called incorrectly. I, in, in that moment, they have a huge game upcoming this weekend. They're going to be without St. George now, uh, for that game. And you just can't do that for just so many reasons. Not great on many respects. So that's yes. like the that's like the angel on my one shoulder. The devil on my other shoulder, which frankly wins out most of the time, is this is just I mean, it's so delightfully memeable. <laughs> it's just so good. I uh, wish we didn't have as blurry of a picture of it to, oh, to react man. to. I wish it was very visible on TV the way that the uh, the other one was. Yeah, you know, yeah, but. yeah. Uh, it, it is. It's <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> it's objectively very funny, and it's funny because it's so rare, right? Uh, and it's just such a a strange uh, sort of out of. I mean, certainly sort of out of kind of uh, uh, you know proportion response <laughs> to something like this. That is just funny and it's memeable. Uh, and, and, and the devil on my shoulder is like, yeah, I shouldn't do that, but that's dang good content, isn't it? Yes, exactly. I mean, at any sports league, something like that happens. You, you, you enjoy it for the content it potentially produces, but also, you know, you, you think about it from a moral perspective a little bit, but Hey, what, what's, what's moral? Then again, what's, who, who yeah. am I to throw stones from my glass house as somebody who has, Mentally and maybe verbally, like, you know, giving the double bird to my computer when it won't start up right on Monday morning or something like that, which I think is probably about the same. Yeah. And I, I've been kicked out of like, you know, intramural basketball games. So I, <laughs> I, I have no room whatsoever to 
to judge uh, as a as a young man five years ago. Um, I I was uh, ejected for uh, saying some not so nice words to a, an intramural basketball official. So you know, I I get I get the the heat of the competitive moment for sure. The moment but, gets the best of us from time to time. Yes, but also you know, control yourself. Can't do that. Yeah, can't do that. Okay, let's talk about the soccer game. <laughs> As promised. Let's do what you said you were going to do, and then we didn't do. The Thorns won 3-0. Uh, it was the exact same, essentially, narrative as the Racing Louisville game, Rossing Louisville, where Rossing. they were up, uh, or they were tied 0-0 at half and had a ton of shots but hadn't converted. Uh, they were kind of playing their nervous, oh, crap, we haven't finished any of these chances. Oh, crud, chances. we haven't finished any of these chances. <laughs> oh, for God's second, sake. Second episode in a <laughs> row, man. We're, we're just gonna we're just gonna have to start putting a trigger warning for the kids on the top of this podcast. Give me a break. Not even in <laughs> not even in the seven words. I'm pretty sure. But um, the they you know turned it around in the early minutes of the second half. Same deal as as uh, as against Rossing Louisville, um, and and they they just turned it on and did what they were supposed to do. The the red cards plural helped yeah um it was 11 on 9 near the end and taylor porter added the third goal uh during that stretch nice uh, absolute rocket she's had a couple of those this year that you're just like whoa like she comes off the bench not having played in in several games and then just in in garbage time or in the late portion of a match that the thorns have in hand she just absolutely rips one and, and she's really a talented player i mean I, I think that she's somebody to to watch for potential more consistent contribution next season for this team but you know overall second half was really good for the thorns hold 90 they played great defense i think that's one of the underrated aspects of this thorns team is is how consistent they have been on defense in the, yep. in the last 10 or so games uh, because they're the best goal scoring team in the league. So it's easy to look at that and say, oh, you know, if the goals are coming, they're coming in bunches and it doesn't even matter how they defend, but they do defend well. The last game I can remember them having any major lapses was against San Diego. Uh, and that was largely a product of the opposition's quality rather than major failures by the Thorns. I think Taylor Korniak, Alex Morgan, that's a pairing that is incredibly dangerous and difficult to defend. So. And the Thorns team that was on you know, very apparently dead legs. Yeah. And they were exhausted. So, you know, that you have to take that into account, but this is a Thorns team that uh, appears to be rounding into some serious form uh, with one game to go. Uh, they're in first place. All they got to do is win uh, at Gotham on Saturday and the shield is theirs. Uh, that's, theoretically a very easy thing to do gotham has won an end or excuse me has lost an nwsl record 12 consecutive games uh the first of which was a 5-0 loss to portland uh, in portland so if you can even you know win two or three zero that wouldn't necessarily take like your best performance right you know and, and you know who's, who knows you know who's not talking about gotham's 12 game losing streak this week who's that rain wilkinson no, she is the, not. Those <laughs> words have not crossed her lips. Yeah, no, I, I, having spoken to her, yes, she, ha she is not bringing that up whatsoever. She knows the the task at hand. She knows that regardless of who's available, whether Sam Coffey is injured or Sophia Smith or both, um, that they got to show up and they got to, they got to play at least decently well. If they do, they'll win, and the shield is theirs easy enough. 
If they somehow tie, they would need some help to avoid the rain jumping them and, and stealing the shield from their grasp. If I was a Thorns fan, I would be fairly confident going into this final uh, game for the team. Uh, and given how the second half went against Chicago, even if things don't start terribly well, I would imagine that with what is at stake here, uh, given the importance of the shield, the weight of it, the fact that you're hanging a banner for it, they want it. And and they they want to show that they're the best team in the league as they have largely shown themselves to be all season. I think it's worth taking a moment uh, again to shine a little bit even more of a light on the on the Thorns defense over the course of that game against Chicago. Because I, I, I thought the first halves, even though I agree the Thorns were, were the better team and were you know, looking like the more dangerous team and the more likely team to to get a goal. I think they were a little bit different. The, whereas the, the the Louisville game, I don't think was a particularly competitive first half for 0-0. The game against the Red Stars was. And it's not a surprise. The Red Stars are a much better team than racing Louisville, racing Louisville. And, and, and so, you know, I, I thought it was a, a competitive first half. But the Thorns did a great job of, again, coming out early in the second half and getting that first goal, which was which is critical. After that was the one period of the game in which I thought the Red Stars were legitimately dangerous. And it was the only period of the game, and it was not more than five or ten minutes, in which Mallory Pugh was any factor at all. Now, look, I mean, Mallory Pugh is, I think, probably the sort of consensus third place MVP vote getter uh, will will likely be where she, she ends up. She's had a tremendous season for the Red Stars. In many respects, she has been the driving force behind the Red Stars being a, a solid team and, 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 and a good team, at, at least as much as Sophia Smith has been a driving force for the Thorns being excellent. Uh, and so Mallory Pugh is a really, really good player uh, who has had a really, really good season. And for most of this game, she was a total non-factor. That really speaks well to the approach that the Thorns took to the game, the way they defended, and the way they kept Chicago's most dangerous player from impacting the game. And then, uh, you know, uh, although I think the Thorns had some challenges in the first half building through Chicago's 3-4-3 and and finding ways to attack the 3-4-3 in which they could create uh, clear chances in the box, they did eventually, and they started to figure it out. In the second half, the floodgates opened, and it was for a variety of factors. It was because the Thorns started to figure out how to create some of those holes, and it's because Bianca St. George decided to <laughs> to to flip off the referee, uh, and and it's it's all of those reasons. Uh, but but the Thorns figured it out, uh, and once they did, the game went from competitive to over really fast. Which again, huge credit to the Thorns for doing that. I I think this is a Thorns team right now that when they're fit. And when they're rested, or at least even reasonably rested, because they weren't fully rested for this game, where Chicago was, they're a buzzsaw. They're ju- they're they're just a real problem, uh, and it's and that's why, even though they haven't gotten nearly as much national press as some other teams in NWSL this year. And for good reason. I mean, there are other good stories around NWSL. I'm not saying that there's some bias against the Thorns. Just, the Thorns have just been. You know, not the team that's been taking the headlines, even though they they they, you know, haven't gotten a lot of those headlines. 
they are and have been for at least the last few weeks and frankly have been for a lot of the second half of the season. The team that even with one round to go now is is still the pole sitter for winning the shield. And I, I want to go back to something that we talked about a lot at the beginning of the year. This was not a foregone conclusion. This was not a Thorns team that came in and everybody was like, they're clearly the best team in the league. It's a ride into Paris for the Thorns to get the shield. No, 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 no. Not by any means. And frankly, to the extent that people were thinking that, I think that was a little bit of laziness. And it didn't account for some of the really significant changes that the Thorns have had to undergo from last year. I mean, a coaching change, obviously, a GM change, obviously. Uh, But even more importantly, completely rebuilding the engine room that was the strength of the Thorns 2021 team with Lindsey Horan going to uh, Olympique Lyon and Angela Salem uh, leaving. Those were two of the Thorns' best players in 2021. They were two of the three components of a central midfield that absolutely dominated the league through much of last year and was the reason why until the turbulence late in the season uh, for largely non-soccer reasons hit uh, it hit why up until that point, the thorns looked like in 2021 runaway shield winners. They ended up being shield winners, but not runaway. Oh, and that was gone. And they had to totally rebuild that. Uh, and it's not like they, they, you know, 2021, I think a lot of people saw flashes and indications that Sophia Smith could be a star, but she was not supernova the way she is now. Uh, and I think, Reasonably coming into the season, there were a lot of questions about the Thorns uh, and whether they were going to be, you know, sort of a a mid-pack team uh, or whether they would be able to once again compete. And frankly, I was pretty doubtful that they'd be able to sort of immediately jump back into being shield contenders. The Thorns have answered all of those questions, but they've just answered them kind of quietly. <laughs> they've just answered them in kind of a matter of fact. Uh, we're just going about our business kind of way. Uh, and full credit to them. And I think, I mean, I frankly, I think those were exactly the muscles that they were flexing against the Red Stars. That was not, there was nothing about that performance against the Red Stars that I think was, you know, spectacular. Or the kind of thing that would lead Sports Center or whatever. Not that women's sports lead Sports Center very often anyway, but that's a whole other discussion. Uh, but you know, I mean, it wasn't the kind of uh, the kind of game performance or performance that that you know is going to really capture the headlines. But yet, at the end of it, it was excellent. The Thorns dispatched pretty easily a good team in a game that that other team really needed points from. On short rest. That's impressive. And that's the kind of stuff that even if you're not getting headlines, makes you shield contenders contenders and shield winners uh, and, 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 and makes you a real threat uh, to take home the double. A double, by the way, that would be, uh, I mean, for any other franchise, would be something that, that they would be, that would be, you know, headline grabbing for anybody else. And for the Thorns, it kind of just feels like going about their business. Uh, and and that's really remarkable. That That, that is a, a credit to the team. That's a credit to, to Reen Wilkinson. Um, it's a credit to uh, to everybody around the club who have 
sort of built this team into a quiet juggernaut. Right. And, and, you know, speaking to Rean Wilkinson and to Karina LeBlanc, when I went up to Vancouver for, for their honors, uh, from the Canada national team, they talked about this a lot. They talked about wanting to build this, you know, constant contender, this, this really class of the NWSL type of team. The, the foundation was there, you know, they, they have been one of the better teams in NWSL throughout its 10 year history, but they hadn't quite reached that level of, you know, setting up a potential dynasty, really. And, and you know, it's very hard, given the constant movement of players, given um, the opportunities that exist for star players overseas, uh, to, to maintain that level of contention for years and years. But if they continue to play this brand of soccer, and even if the pieces change here and there... I think that the Thorns are a team that you're going to have to talk about as shield and championship contenders every year for years to come. Uh, I think Rian Wilkinson has instilled a, you know, culture of focus and, and, you know, quiet dominance, if you will, uh, with, with this team uh, that you rarely see in sports. You, you see it from some of the best coaches in basketball, in football that, regardless of potential changes in personnel they're always kind of there and and when their personnel is great then they are also great and they contend for and win championships uh from the middle part to even earlier in this season i felt that this thorns team was the most complete team in nwsl and i think they have proven that uh especially as this season has wound down they are deep there isn't a player in their regular lineup that comes in either as a substitute or as a starter that you point to and say, oh, she's the problem. She causes issues when she's on the field. It's not like when we're watching the Timbers where we're like, oh, God, they all have all these <laughs> positions that they better shore up in the offseason. It's, it's every position this Thorns team has solid contributors at the very least and stars at the absolute best superstars in the case of Sophia Smith and a club legend and legend of the sport in Christine Sinclair rookie of the year candidate and Sam Coffey and an international player coming in and adjusting to NWSL masterfully in Hina Sukata. I mean, these are seriously good players that would lead other teams in NWSL, but have come together collectively to to create a really dangerous and exciting team. And one that if they win on Saturday, again, they'll be the shield winners and all they'll have to do is win one home game and they're on to DC to play for the NWSL title. I want to give one more shout out to somebody for uh, their performance against Chicago. Somebody who we haven't talked about a lot this year, which is weird, really weird. The game against Chicago was an absolute masterclass from Becky Sauerbrunn. Masterclass. Masterclass. I'll, I, I, I don't have another word, so I'm just going to keep saying the same one over and over again. Masterclass from Becky Sauerbrunn. <laughs> there were a lot of Chicago attacks over the course of the game, especially in that first half, that looked promising in, in, in the first few balls that they would play that would die at the feet of Becky Sauerbrunn, who was playing chess to the Red Stars checkers. And that's a masterclass. <laughs> I mean, y- y- we haven't talked a lot about Sauerbrunn because, you know, I mean, she's she's had a, a, a 
a solid season as everybody would expect, uh, but it's not been a dominant season by any means. Uh, and she has sort of just been the, I mean, in many ways, what typifies the team kind of the, the quiet, steady competence to excellence, uh, that you would expect from her. But this was an example of excellence from Becky Sauerbrunn. Uh, it, it was fun to watch, uh, because it was, it, it showed just how you have a center back who, Physically and, and and athletically, a good athlete, uh, a, a good soccer player, but she was winning that game with her brain. She was reading everything, uh, and she was in every single place where she needed to be, uh, and every single place to to put out fires that the Thorns needed her to put out. Uh, and and you know that's a rare player, to be honest. Uh, and it was it was it was fun to see such a a sharp example of it uh, against the Red Stars. Right. And what an awesome player to to have be part of your organization, right? Somebody who is this constant, outspoken advocate off the field and um, is a voice for change and, and a leader. And, and in addition to that, is, is one of the best defenders in the league and in the world. And and she is somebody who continues to lead the U.S. women's national team. Um a big focus, and we've talked a lot about transactions in the offseason for the Timbers. I don't think we've done enough of that for the Thorns. Uh, an important one for, for the Thorns this offseason is bringing Becky back. Uh, she is a free agent uh, as of the end of this year. Uh, so finding a way to keep her around, uh, avoid her you know, sneaking up to OL rain or some other team in the West uh, that, that she might like to go play for. Maybe she wants to reunite with Alex Morgan in, in San Diego or something. Keep her away from that. She's she's too important to what you do. Um, Kelly Hubley has has been the iron woman of this team and played every minute so far this season. Crucially important center back. Uh, Becky is just as important, if not more so, because she is, despite you know many years in the league, still a high-level, solid contributor um, that is crucial to what they do. And it's, it's going to be no matter who you have, despite your depth, uh, difficult to replace her. And somebody who I think the club would like to keep in the club in the future going forward. I mean, you know, this is a Becky Sauerbrunn who, who led, uh, the, the U S women's national team players, historic push for equal pay, uh, was, it was a, a sort of apex leader of that, uh, in the process of that multi-year uh, effort, I think probably earned the equivalent of a master's degree in soccer economics, uh, and and uh, has has shown, I mean, leadership qualities, intellect that surpasses you know all but you know a, a small, tiny handful of, of of people in the game on the men's or women's side. And so, if you're the thorns, I think I, I, I think one of the one of the animating reasons why you want to keep uh, Becky Sauerbrunn uh, in your team for as long as she wants to play is because you are you will be a better club if Becky Sauerbrunn is part of your club for years and years and years to come in whatever capacity she can be because she's that kind of a leader and she's shown that leadership over and over on the field uh, against the Red Stars being the most recent example and I, I think that's that's the kind of person. Uh, who, who smart clubs just keep around. 
for as long as 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 humanly possible. Absolutely. And 3 p.m. Saturday is the Gotham game uh, that will be on Fox 12 Plus streaming Paramount Plus 3 p.m. Pacific time. Let, let's talk briefly briefly about that. I I mean, you know, I maybe I'm just like. I'm a lifelong Oregon Ducks football fan because my uncle played football there and I, I sort of grew up uh, in, in that uh, I have I have been caught in too many trap games, <laughs> as we talked about last week. This shouldn't again, this should not be a trap game. It's literally the only game on the schedule right now. So there's nothing else to look at. Uh, but I do think I mean, there are re- real questions about Sophia Smith, who went down with that head injury. Uh, or apparent head injury, at least uh, in the very waning moments uh, against the Red Stars. But then also Sam Coffey, who came off after suffering what looked like a non-contact injury. It didn't seem like it was all that severe when it happened. She sort of came back on momentarily and then came off for Taylor Porter, who then hit a thundercrack. But, I mean, those are the two of the Thorns' three most important players. Uh, in, in this season. And I, I mean, the, the, that would be a really, really, really material uh, development if, if one or both of them are not able to go against Gotham on the weekend. I mean, Gotham for, for their warts, and they've obviously had a good number of warts uh, over the course, especially of the second half of the season. It's still a professional team. It's still a professional team with really good soccer players and frankly, who I think is probably going to be pretty motivated uh, not to end the season on a 13-game losing streak. And so, I mean, this is – this is the Thorns should be ready for a game because this very well could be a game. I don't, I don't think the Thorns should assume uh, that Gotham players are going to have one foot on the airplane uh, to get out of town. Uh, and, and if they are missing a couple of their most important players, I could see this being a real game. That doesn't mean that the Thorns shouldn't win. They should. That doesn't mean that the Thorns shouldn't be confident going in. They should be, uh, even if uh, Smith and 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 Coffee are out. They have players who have stepped into those roles and succeeded this year. So, you know, that's not to say that they can't or, or shouldn't win or, or that they shouldn't be confident. But I think this is you know there there's nothing to look at past this game. So don't look past this game uh, because the only way the Thorns are going to win the Shield, and I mean it, the only way the Thorns are going to win the Shield, given the number of teams that can still jump them with a win. Uh, they need to win the game in order to win the shield. And, uh, and, and I think that is uh, until, uh, in, until the referee, whoever it is, blows the final whistle. That's not a shirt. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're going to overlook it. And I think that even without Smith and without coffee, um, just, on paper, they should come in and demoralize Gotham. This is there are two teams that could not be further apart in terms of their talent and form uh, as things go in this season. There is a fifty-five goal difference between their two goal differentials. Gotham is minus thirty, and the Thorns are plus twenty-five. Uh, that's nuts on its face. I, I. I feel confident in in their chances. I I think that they'll be okay, even if they play kind of a mediocre game, but I don't think they will. I I think that they understand that winning this game not only means the shield, which is incredibly important to all of these players and is something that is on the list of their goals for this season, but it's it's also an opportunity to secure yourself a first round by extra time to rest uh, and just set yourself up for a home game uh, to to get into the championship. 
So the easy thing to do is just win. You know, you don't you don't want to overthink the oh well if we tie you know it's okay too we can still the rain can still win and even if we finish second we get a home game they they're not thinking about that they're gonna come out and play well and I think that they I'll I'll put a prediction out there that they will win uh, by at least three goals Ooh, on Saturday at least three against goals. Gotham wow yes lots of confidence lots uh, lots of confidence I I think the Thorns uh, will win but I think they're gonna have to play well. Uh, and, and for everything that the table tells us right now, the simple reality is the goal difference between the thorns and Gotham for the only part of the season that matters right now is zero because that's what the scoreboard says. It's zero, zero. Uh, and, and the, okay, thorn, coach. And, and, and the thorns are 90 minutes away, uh, are 90 minutes away, uh, from winning the shield. And the goal difference right now is zero. And after those 90 minutes, it needs to be better than zero for the Thorns if they want the shield. Dang, Reed Wilkinson's philosophy has has permeated into hey, your brain. You, you this know, this you, very focused. You, you know, know that I am part of the Wilkinson hive. <laughs> this, oh, yeah. I am, I, I am a, a well-established Reed Wilkinson stan. Yeah, and who wouldn't be after this season? She's done a phenomenal job. Got to give her props good wherever footing. possible. You are. Uh, let's should touch be, on the- should should be a serious contender for NWSL Coach of the Year. Not getting that that kind of conversation because Casey Stoney exists and and what the Waves have done is remarkable. Uh, but should be more of uh, of a part of the conversation. I agree. It's not easy to take over a team, even if you inherit talented players. It's hard to instill a culture uh, and you know, make everything work, make the pieces fit. And she's moved players around into different positions that have worked perfectly. You look at somebody like Sam Coffey, a former striker who is now playing in a defensive midfield spot where she is a star. So, you know, give Reen credit. And and, and, and with really, really important turnover from, from the team that she inherited to this year's team too. Uh, I, I think that should be a bigger part of the conversation. It's not, I understand why taking nothing away from from Stony, who's done remarkable things in in, in San Diego, uh, and I think will you know is is close to a shoe in for the award, uh, but just a shout for from from the from the Reen Wilkinson uh, you know fan club, just a shout. Yep, and speaking of uh, of potential awards involving Thorns people. Uh, currently working on a story making the case for Sophia Smith to be NWSL MVP. Uh, spoke with Rian Wilkinson, Crystal Dunn, and Christine Sinclair for that story. Uh, so keep an eye on OregonLive.com for that feature. There's your plug of the day. Uh, the uh, Coming up after the plug here uh, is a brief discussion. We can, we can talk Timbers. Uh, they did not play since our last podcast. They did nothing, nothing at all. Uh, ex- except, you know, attend the stand together banquet and along with the thorns, you know, dressed to the nines and enjoyed themselves there. Uh, it seems that Eric Williamson enjoyed himself quite a bit, uh, ha- had himself some beverages uh, and, and, <laughs> you know, we'll, uh, but, but on the field, uh, you know, the, the Timbers take on LAFC this Sunday at noon on ABC, big game, big game. Because if the Timbers win uh, and some other things go their way in in the Western Conference, uh, they'll clinch a playoff spot. And while just making it to the playoffs are is something that is in the words of Chris Reifer, ain't shoot. Uh, That's correct. It, it, I, I thank you for saying that because I was going to. Yes, exactly. Um, it, it's it's still important 
for them and and you know the the matchup will be important and that's that's so completely out of their control given how tight the table is uh that at this point they're they're just trying to get a win in this game against the best team in MLS Second and best team in MLS well yeah, you, that yes. was that was radical Philadelphia Union erasure right there i mean in terms of talent Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. LAFC is the most talented team in MLS. Most talented, uh, but the, but the Union best, are the best team in MLS. I agree with you. Uh, I I agree. Philly is is a juggernaut. They're they've played some incredible soccer this year, and I would not want to face them. Thankfully, the Timbers don't have to worry about that until a potential MLS Cup, which would be wild. Uh, let's say, and it'd be cool to to fly out to Philly and and hit up my boy Jonathan Tannenwald, who's out there. Uh, on the grind good as man. always for a good man working for the Philly Inquirer. Shout out to him. Um, Rail Salt Lake in the finale for the Timbers, October 9th, potential playoff game to get into the playoffs type situation there if things don't work out against LAFC. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens with this Timbers team. It's kind of a, you know, shrug your shoulders and say, hey, you know, we'll see what happens. If they get in, they get in. That's great. Uh, I think that their potential run would depend heavily on their matchup. Um, but I, I think that this is a slightly underrated Timbers team by us and by national media. I think that they have more potential to make a little noise in the postseason than a lot of people may be acknowledging, just given the uncertainty of the Western Conference and how they're, to me, really doesn't seem to be one or two teams. There may be one in LAFC, but there's probably not two that you can say, oh yeah, they're going to be really, really hard to beat. You know, it, it it seems like most of these playoff matchups in the West will be a toss up. Do you agree? Yeah, I do agree with that. I, I, I think there's LAFC and then there's sort of the pack right now. And that's especially been the case since Austin has, has struggled a bit uh, coming down the stretch uh, in, in the last few weeks here. So I, I think it's it's sort of LAFC and the rest in the West right now. And and yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's that that's that's right, that if the Timbers get in, you know, they it is, they are going to be games that they're going to go into competitively. I think this game against LAFC, a it's it's critical in the standings, right? We talked last week about how basically everybody else around the Timbers has a, a simpler game than the Timbers this week. Uh, and so it's it's reasonable to assume that a lot of those teams are going to get three points uh, from 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 their games. Uh, and so if the Timbers don't, they're just going to lose ground in the standings, which is of course critical at this point. Uh, even if I I regard uh, simply qualifying for the playoffs is not something that goes on the resume. Uh, they the you don't want to lose ground in the standings on the table. That's important. Uh, and they cannot clinch if they lose. They can only clinch if they win or tie uh, and other things happen. And, and if, if they win, even if results don't go their way el- el- elsewhere, I haven't done, done sort of the, the math to see if they've technically clinched, but you have, that's right. There's also an article about that on OregonLive.com, which you should yes, read. There and I clearly have not plug, plug, plug. <laughs> oh, I will. I will read that. <laughs> I promise. Uh, but, but you know, if they win against LFC, they're in the playoffs is it realistically uh that that's that's the the long and short of it. And so, you know, it is about positioning at this point for the Timbers, but more than that, I think this LAFC game is kind of a shibboleth. 
and you know we've we've talked a lot about whether the Timbers team, notwithstanding their very good results uh, over the course of the second half of the season, is actually good. And I think there are arguments to make both ways, and and I certainly lean toward the the belief that the results have flattered the Timbers a little bit. Uh, and they haven't actually been as good uh, as uh, as they've indicated, and uh, I'm I'm a little bit pessimistic about that going forward. But this is the kind of game that would prove me wrong, right? If the Timbers come out and they have clear ideas and they're well prepared and they deservedly win uh, against LAFC, that's the kind of game that even though LAFC isn't quite the team on the road that they've been at home, that's the kind of result that I think Gio Savarese would point to to say, no, we're for real, like we're we're a problem in the playoffs. And and nobody should feel like if they draw us in the playoffs that they've drawn a paper tiger. On the other hand, <laughs> if they don't, uh, if they come in and they're sort of overwhelmed by LAFC's talent, if they show some of the attacking directionlessness that I think you can reasonably see in some of the Timbers' recent performances, if they have all of those the, those things and they and they drop the result. I think you can make exactly, you know, I think that would be uh, pretty affirming for, frankly, the argument that that I've been making for a while, uh, that that the results aren't necessarily reflective uh, of the quality. And so this this game, I, I I think is is a good one to put that to the test. Put simply, you got to win games like this, and probably even some more complicated games, if you want to actually do anything in the playoffs, and if you actually want to do anything to put something on the resume. And so this is a, a game that I think will show will be really revealing for the Timbers, even separate and apart from the impact that it has on the standings. And by the way, it's going to have a really important impact on the standings. So all to play for in this one, uh, the Timbers have had two weeks to get ready. Uh, and, and, and Savarese has done a good job historically when he's had the ability to reset his team, when he's had the ability to really train a plan, uh, to, to really train, train a team to, to play to a plan. They have been pretty effective. And so it wouldn't surprise me if the Timbers do come into this game and look quite a bit better. That would be consistent with our, our prior experience with Geo's teams. Uh, I think this very much plays to that strength, but it's also LAFC. And the Timbers don't have anybody nearly as good as Gareth Bale or Carlos Vela uh, in their attack. And, and you know, players are important in soccer. So uh, it'll be a good one to watch. I recommend tuning in or if you have tickets going. Did you ever think you would see Gareth Bale play at Providence Park? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I mean, not that I would not that I, I had the specific thought of could Gareth Bale play at Providence Park. But we've seen enough of these kinds of guys come through MLS over the course of the years to varying degrees of success, I think is fair to say that, that am I surprised that Gareth Bale is playing a game at Providence park? No, nah, not really. Will it be <laughs> fun to watch? Yeah. Uh, am I curious to see how he looks coming off an international break and, uh, and, and, and playing for Wales, uh, in UEFA nations league, uh, and then international travel and a short turnaround, uh, and playing in this game. I am very curious to see how that looks. And frankly, there is, is, becoming robust data uh, to suggest that maybe LAFC is not as good with him on the field as they are with him off the field. And, you know, is that Gareth Bale's fault? Is that other people's fault? I'll leave that to people who watch LAFC closer than I do to to decide. Uh, but I'm certainly curious to see how that plays out uh, at Providence Park. Yeah, no, it, it, it also speaks to this overarching narrative that exists with LAFC right now. Like, did they do too much? 
did they retool their roster a little bit too much uh in in the process of getting all these great players you know is is it's going to despite their massive talent advantage over pretty much everybody they play uh is this going to come back to bite them? So, so this game, I, I you know, we we talk about the importance for the Timbers, and and rightfully so. This is a, a PTFC focused podcast, but um, I, I think that you know this is a as important, if not more so, game for LAFC because they they want to get to a point where they uh, they're in good form and they feel confident um, going into uh, a, a a second round matchup where you know some team that that maybe in better form like a Nashville or a Portland or a Dallas might come to town and give them some trouble. It is a, a an MLS rule and the there are exceptions to this rule, but it is a rule that teams that bank too much and that make lots of changes in the summer transfer window are burned by it more often than not. You can see it with, I mean, TFC basically rebuilt their roster in the summer transfer window. And look, we saw that some of that quality and we saw the the very real differences in quality that they now have in that game against the Timbers in which the Timbers were competitive and then not because the Timbers didn't have that kind of quality. But they also didn't make a run, right? The 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 overall results weren't there. And I think it's pretty easy to make the argument that LAFC was better before before they made all of these summer moves. We've seen it over and over. You can find examples in almost every season in which a team makes a big move or multiple big moves in the summer transfer window with the aim being to, you know, make a run in the second half of the season. And it doesn't work out because for all those reasons, I mean, I mean, for all the reasons you, you can imagine, oftentimes it ends up working out down the road that after an off season and a preseason and all of that, that those pieces come together and, 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 and coagulate, uh, to use a kind of a gross metaphor, uh, into, into a more, more cohesive unit. But, you know, I, I think, I, I think that that question is very much there. And, and given that LAFC has in the eyes of close MLS watchers been surpassed by the, by the union in the second half here, if LAFC doesn't win Supporter Shield, it looks, I mean, we'll see. We'll, results pending, but they're not in pole position right now. That's the union. And if they don't win MLS Cup, if they don't do either of those things, I think people are re- very reasonably going to look back at that summer transfer window and say that LAFC booted it, at least for purposes of this year, uh, because they were in pole position for the Supporter Shield. They were almost prohibitive favorites to win MLS Cup, and now they're not. Uh, and and that's after they they made a bunch of changes. And you know they talk about the fact that it matters to them. Obviously those those two trophies, but maybe it doesn't matter to them as much as establishing themselves as this sort of financial and entertainment powerhouse. In LA, I don't know. How's, I, that, how's th- that? How's that mindset worked out for the LA Galaxy in the last well, in the last ten years? There you go. I mean that that's don't do that's, that. You've got an example right up the road of why you should probably not do something like that because you know MLS. Uh, there there are clubs that 
care like Portland is a good example that care deeply about winning championships and shields and everything else. And those trophies are, are the pinnacle and, and, you know, with the exception of maybe the Sounders, there's really nothing much higher than that for, for most teams in MLS, uh, in terms of the level of importance. But yeah, I mean, the idea of, of turning yourself into this kind of for-profit soccer, you know, engineered machine thing that the galaxy tried to be, uh, I don't I don't know about, I, I, I don't think the fans like it obviously because they, they want a team that wins and right. has trophies and everything else. But here's the thing. And this basically goes across all sports. And I like, you know, I have no background in, in, in the business side of sports or anything like that, but I've obsessed about sports basically all of my 37 years. If you want to be an economic powerhouse, as a sports team, if you want to be culturally relevant as a sports team, if you want to be all of those things as a sports team, the number one thing you can do to accomplish all those goals is be good. If you're good, all of the other things you need to do to, to attain that kind of status get easier. And if you're not good, it is basically impossible to get that kind of status. I mean, give me one example of a team that is chronically not good but that has that kind of cultural relevance anywhere in sport ever. And the teams, the teams that maybe the New York Knicks, I don't, it, but, but <laughs> the New York, only for, yeah, but a, the New York Knicks did have long runs of success that have sort of, sort of made the foundation of, of what they are. And B, the New York Knicks are a joke. I mean, the New York Knicks have not had that kind of cultural relevance at any time since I was a child. So, so if the Knicks want to be relevant, you know what the Knicks need to do? Be good. And if the Knicks are good, they will be relevant. And just like LAFC, and the, the same principle applies for LAFC. If you want to be relevant, if you want to be the, the, the sort of first culturally significant uh, global American soccer club, be good. Be good for a long time. Win a lot. Win a lot. And then all of that becomes easier. All the other things you need to do get easier. And so if they're, if they're doing what they, frankly, the galaxy have done for the last decade, which is chase cameras, signing Steven Gerrard and Zlatan Ibrahimovic and all that, all that junk without doing the underlying roster work that they needed to do to get good. We know how that works out. I mean, LAFC aren't, or LA galaxy are not culturally relevant in, in any sort of meaningful sense. Other than they once in a while get, you know, clips of Zlatan doing something. But cool. They haven't won anything. They haven't put anything on the resume for the last several years. No, they haven't. And and I think that this, to tie this back to Portland more directly, I think this is something that Portland fans, you know, however they feel about the front office and, and the very real mistakes that the front office has made in the last several years uh, I think that there's reason to be grateful that uh, Portland is not that, that they have not tried to turn themselves into this, you know, soulless soccer powerhouse brand, and that they they have developed some level of, you know, cultural relevance and identity uh, within their club, and that they've they've focused heavily on on-field results uh, as as far as their moves go. Uh, over the last several years, uh, whether it be 
uh, the work done behind the scenes by Gavin Wilkinson uh, or, you know, the, the development of, of young players that they've, they've brought in. It's, it's something to be happy about and to feel positive about, I think. Yeah. The, I mean, you know, both the Timbers and Thorns have, have focused on on-field results, you know, above the other stuff. And that, you know, setting aside the, the, the various controversies, which, you know, people are very reasonable not to, uh, and, and very reasonably have strong feelings about that and understandably have strong feelings about those things. Um, but sort of focusing on the, on the, on the way they've, they've approached, you know, being soccer club, being a soccer club, they've put being good at soccer first. I mean, I don't know if grateful is the right word because, that's of course the only way it would ever work for for teams in Portland, especially. I mean, look if 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 the LA Galaxy can't cotton candy their way to cultural relevance, certainly the Portland Timbers or Portland Thorns can't. Uh, and 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 so you know, taking that cotton candy approach of of having a sweet product with no nutritional value. Uh, was would never work. It do, never works anywhere. It especially wouldn't work here. So that they've they've rightly chosen, you know, a, a, a little bit more you know, nutritious uh, way to go about building the club. Right. And, and and I think that fans here wouldn't put up with that either. Yeah. It, you know, it, 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 there are people here who are, who are too knowledgeable about soccer and too passionate about the sport itself, that if if the team <laughs> was putting together these, these hodgepodge groups of washed up European stars and Steven Gerrard cheap nobodies to surround them i mean it would it would piss people off portlanders it does not take us much to to get angry about things particularly when it comes to sports but just generally uh and that would be that would cause some serious uh ire from the fans if if this team tried to do something like that would at least be tremendous ire from me (laughs) (laughs) yes I, i i would i would mock it ruthlessly because it would be a fundamentally deeply deeply stupid approach to running a soccer club in portland oregon without question uh we will wrap it up on that note Uh, (laughs) on on fundamentally deeply deeply stupid we will wrap it up (laughs) fundamentally deeply deeply stupid we we come in at the buzzer with the episode title uh here so so thank you chris reifer for that and and for your insight uh as always on this podcast uh for for those uh interested please rate us wherever you uh listen to podcasts uh subscribe to us uh, on apple podcasts and elsewhere follow us on twitter at soccer maiden pdx and keep on listening because next week's going to be a big one uh, looking ahead to nwsl playoffs for portland we will know their positioning uh we won't know their opponent but we will know their positioning uh and then uh the the timbers obviously will will have a much more direct path as far as their playoff hopes go uh thanks for listening everybody and we will see you next week